just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. Hey, hey, Brian. Hello. How you doing? That sounded way creepier than I meant. Hello. <laughs> hello. <Sorry>. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Let me read you. Um, hello. Uh, uh, you're coming at, at me live from uh, from from Fenton, Michigan. How's the Come weather out there? It's nice. Is it? Is it wonderful? It was like. 80 yesterday. I haven't really been outside today. So, so I heard 80 today, 80 and sunny. You told me that you put together a pretty good uh, nine holes of golf the other day. What'd you shoot? Uh, 44. Probably should have been a 42. So what happened? What, what were those two strokes? Where'd you lose them? Uh, second hole, I hit a pitching wedge from 130-ish. Okay. I've never played this course before. And uh, I hit sort of a, I don't know, a, the, the face of a hill that was running like left or right mm-hmm. and took a real hard bounce into some swampy thing. I couldn't see. I chalked that one up to never playing the course before. I wouldn't hit it there. So you lost the ball? Before. Triple. Yeah. Triple bogey. There. Ooh, okay. All right. So that was, so like, in fact, yeah. it could have been a 41 if I had, you know, gotten on and made that birdie, but looking really, fo- lo- looking very much forward to coming out there and playing golf yeah. in two weeks, in two, two weeks. weeks. We finally, uh, we've got we've only- staring at the weather. Just trying to see what's going to happen, but it looks like we're going to be good. Are you cool getting a tea time for us? Yeah. Like, uh, okay. And then I'll just, just I got to figure out how to get my, I got to get my, my golf clubs out there. I got to find a, not a hard case. I got to find. Brought to you by ship sticks. Ship sticks. I looked that up once and they're like, we'll ship your golf clubs for twice as much as your golf clubs are worth. That should be, that that should be the motto for ship sticks. Do you know who's behind that? Uh, I don't know. No, uh, the Marsicos from Denver. John of the Marsicos started it. You know Why? what I'm talking about? It's so expensive. Like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Because they're uh, they're like huge donors to DU. Um, uh-huh. They have a bunch. This you, is this is shipped like, like your really nice golf clubs, right? Yeah, it is. Don't ship it your is. your average Dick Sporting Good golf clubs. Yeah, yeah. Don't ship your. Let's see. What do I have? Like a, a 1998 uh, set of of Maxfly irons. So hey, aren't they uh, aren't they blades though? They are kind of blades. So if I ever actually had decent irons that were updated, I might I might tr- you know get the old handicap down there in the single dig. You should get area. something with a big old sweet spot, man. Get some some uh, something perimeter weighted. I know. You're right. I should. Um, we haven't talked. Uh, in detail about my comeback against Dan Lair, but um, <laughs> I yelled, take that motherfucker on 18. <laughs> I was so, I was like, wow, that, that three woods going to get there. And there it was. That was, this it. wasn't even on the putt. This was no, well, I knew as soon as I got on, I was like, Oh, I'm going to beat him. Like I, I'd really have to shit the bet on this terribly bad to lose. And um, he, and he was, had you by what at the turn? Like he had eight. me by uh, eight, nine. He had me by nine. I was down. I was at wow. nine strokes at the turn. Came back, had the best best nine of my life. <laughs> he did um, text and say, I hate golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had three birdies. I made like a 35-foot birdie putt on 17. That hurts. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was good stuff. But he also made like a, he made like a 40-foot par putt on the front. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to coming out there and playing golf. Um, my surprise for you was... I reached out to a brewery that is very close to Michigan Stadium, aka the Big House, 
and proud to announce that Arbor Brewing Company is going to wel- welcome you and I with open arms Dude, that Saturday Arbor. morning. Yeah, we're going to go. I took my brother there when he was here. Did you really? Yeah. They make so, a beer. Uh, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to record. We're going to do a little interview. We uh, are probably not going to have to pay for our beverages that day. So we'll the just do that before the game. I'll pay for that beer. So <laughs> You'll pay for that it's beer. Good, it's good enough that I'll, I'll pay for it. Yeah. Another make a beer. So we're setting it up, setting up the details, um, but that will be our tailgate. So as we get closer, I know that we have a few listeners from Iowa and probably a few listeners from Michigan who are going to try to make it to the game. So we'll let you know. Maybe we can meet up with some folks at Arbor Brewing Company, which yeah. is uh, not far. So what's the so so we we park outside of town and then we walk our way in, or how, what's the? Have you been to this game? It's a good question. I have. Yeah, um, I don't really know how exactly where we parked. I'll have to. I'll put out some feelers about how, how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. And shout out to Ben. Yeah, we're not parking anywhere <laughs> anywhere near. No. Oh, wow. I'll just put all of the recording stuff in a backpack. That's fine. And I'll probably ask. Can you carry it into the stadium? Yeah, we have to go back no. and get it afterwards or something. Yeah, but it should be on our I, – I, Dan was telling me that we want to park and kind of walk our way into Michigan Stadium, and the Arbor Brewing Company would be on our walk anyway. So if that's the case. I, I don't think then, it's that close to the – No, it's about a mile away. So it's a little bit of to a walk. To the stadium? I, mean, I remember yeah. walking last time. Though I just walked with a beer in my hand, so. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be fun. Uh, thank you, Ben Hansen, for uh, taking care of Ryan and I yeah. for, for the game. So that's going to be fun, dude. I'll, uh, I'll be decked out in my Iowa gear. I'm assuming you're going to have your Michigan gear. It should you, be. You're not afraid that they're just going to kick you out if you show up wearing your Iowa stuff? Your Iowa, I, not, not a jersey. Because you're an Not adult, an adult man. <laughs> I am an adult man. Like I'm an a girl. Iowa Oxford shirt or something like that. I uh, I was very uh, transparent when I messaged. Um, who did I message? Rick over there, maybe. So I'm an I'm Iowa Iowa fan. Fan. He's like totally fine. Let's do it. So well, don't worry. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be a counterpoint to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't I have an, I don't have a Michigan brewery, but maybe or a brewery uh, a jersey. Maybe I'll go buy one. Yeah, go buy one. Get yourself a. Uh, let's see, who could we get? I guess from? it is just Harlan. straight down. I mean, it's not a short walk, but it's just straight down the road. It's right there. It is definitely right there. It'll be nice to be uh, to to host a podcast in person with somebody who knows how to host a podcast. Ha! Jay doesn't listen to this. Yeah, it's so. a are you listening test. Yeah, exactly. One mile. <laughs> okay, it's a one mile walk. All right, we can we can walk a mile probably. I've been editing video yeah. together from uh, Unfiltered, and so I have to look at your brother's reactions to me and some of my questions. And I need to message him and be like, "You're kind of a dick," and how <laughs> and like how you, you look have to at me. manage your nonverbals. Yeah, because he'll be like, like shaking his head, like, "What the fuck did you just ask that?" Like, you got to keep it moving, Jay. Yeah, got to keep it moving. So, uh, what were you saying? I should listen to some episodes of that podcast so I know what I'm supposed to do. Should I just come in? Should I just <laughs> come in cold? Should I just come in cold? Thanks for the. Podcast. Thank you. Well, I listen uh, to some of the early ones. I don't know. It's just I don't know. I don't listen. I haven't listened to every single one. Um. Thank you. Uh. Yeah. No, you don't need anything. <laughs> you can help. You can. You can help throw in um some questions here and there. It's pretty laid back. We I'll just, just taste drink the beer. beer. Just I'll say. Mm, oh. We don't even do that. That's the that's we are totally against that. Oh my god, the Cascade hops in this IPA are fantastic. Yeah, like no. every Food Network show ever, where you have to come up with the the lamest description of someone's food while they're staring at you. That always seems so bullshit. I caught myself watching like the, some Bobby the, Clay show. The, yeah, the contrast of the uh, 
smoked mozzarella against the prosciutto <laughs> really brings out the shut up. It's good or it's not good. And you can tell too, you're like, oh, you don't like that shit at all. It's just the grilled cheese. It's just the grilled <laughs> cheese. The grilled cheese. <laughs> like, that's it. It's not that crazy. Hey, we should have a conversation about sports because I got to go get a haircut. Um, so Brought to you by Sports Clips. Sports Clips for guys who like sports or something, whatever the hell it is. I think it's for uh, guys who like motorsports. <laughs> Motor it should be called, called Motorsports Clips. Everything there. <laughs> I went, I've, I've been there and they were like, ooh, do you want to watch this? Dude's doing backflips on motorcycles. And I was like, not really. See, I feel like it's always on the NFL Network when I go in there. Oh, I, that would be better. That would be fine. Oh, dude. I don't know. You could, a... you could have 24-7 Antonio Brown coverage. What did that dude <laughs> do now? Hey, let's jump right into that wonderful transition. transition. Look at you. You are a professional at this. So Antonio Brown is in the news. He's been in the news for way too long. Uh, he's no longer a member of Brian's Oakland Raiders, but instead he's he's under the microscope for some sexual assault. And he's on my fantasy the... team. Uh, he did... Oh, he is. Are you going to yeah. keep him on there? You're going to hold him on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's a keeper league. Yeah, we make sense of a lot of things. Um, as 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 our good friend Aaron Aaron Donaldson, who probably doesn't listen to this podcast, likes to troll me. Um, I am supporting uh, the the unequal treatment of of college athletes and the, uh, the and the dangerous sport that they play. So sorry, Aaron. Doing my best, buddy. Can't help it. I Is got that dude still on Facebook? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm I haven't not seen him post sure. in a while. I wonder if he unfriended me. I am. I am 100% not sure. I don't know. He might have unfriended you because of this little project of ours, mm. you know, sure. in which we talk realistically about sports. So Antonio Brown, I don't know. I sent you the video of him farting in the doctor's face. He didn't really. That's a, that's a misleading headline, by the way. He I watched farted the video. in his immediate proximity. Yeah, he farted in his proximity. And I mean, he's probably an asshole, right? Sure. But he wasn't like, like I've farted that close to people and not, you know, I farted in faculty meetings just for a chuckle. So Out loud? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Sure. Here. <laughs> How did that go over? Don't you want that to be a part of your, your faculty <laughs> next year? Because you just never know when I'm going to drop some ass. Yeah. For everybody. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Is it different to like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. In some in some situations, a, a well timed fart is uh, is 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 common. <laughs> now, this was a dude who he like. What was he had a, he had some sort of contract with him because the, the other part of the story is that the guys, I think, upset about the fart, but Antonio Brown just didn't pay him a bunch of money, right? Mm -hmm. He owes him yeah like tens of thousands of dollars or something like that. Eleven point eleven point five thousand dollars. Eleven point five thousand dollars. <laughs> when you go to the point five, it sounds like you're going to say millions. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there. I think there's a, a difference between you know uh, tooting at your buddy at the bar and and farting on a, a physician with whom you have a professional relationship with. I I, I agree. It seems it seems it seems of poor taste. Of yeah. Then again, I mean, the things that Antonio Brown is alleged to have done, I guess in that case, there's a video um, just in these past two weeks. That's the least, you know, objectionable. It seems it seems what is he at in several two, three sexual assault allegations. And I saw a headline that said that there's the anticipation of more. Um, it said charges being filed. I don't know if any charges have been filed thus far, but uh, it seems like he's he's in trouble. And, you know, I think the 
the world was kind of waiting to see if the Patriots would take some action and they, they haven't. And, and I guess we're not surprised that they haven't. Um, yeah. In, in reading, in reading the kind of details of a couple of those sexual assaults, um, obviously the dude, I don't want to go out there and call him a predator per se, but he's immature as fuck. Like the one about the woman who was painting, he was doing, doing a painting of him. And he just walks out with his dick yeah, hanging out. Yeah. Like unsolicited wiener showing. Not cool. Brett Kavanaugh. No, no. I mean, it's, it, it, and this stuff is all alleged to have happened a few years ago, but this isn't this is exactly what the media Has movement. Ever, did I lose you? No, I'm here. Has there ever been solicited wieners showing, though? Like, who really wants to see a wiener? Like, yeah. it's not the most attractive part of the human anatomy, right? Like, it's like dicks are ugly. Anyhow, go back, <laughs> continue. Wow. Um, yeah. No, this is this is just this is just the this is the uh, the stuff that we've been going through for the past two or three years with the Me Too movement. A lot of it was dudes in powerful positions who think that they get. You know, this is this is Weinstein, yeah. and this is uh, this is uh, uh, Louis C.K., and this is I mean a bunch of dudes uh, doing exactly this, being like, I'm in a position of power, and I can sort of do. Um, whatever I want. And it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know, man, it's, ugh. No, at, no, no, at, no, at, at some point you just, you just run out of, you just run out of things to say, I guess. I, let me say this too. And I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not making light of this because it's not, it's not a jokey thing and it's, it is serious. And, and you really hope to the Patriots and the, and, and the NFL. I mean, at that point where we're at three or four allegations that you have, you need the NFL to step in and put them on the exempt list and get them off the field until you can figure out what it is. Um, though it doesn't look like they're going to do that, but I have to, I have to point at this, this thing and make light of it. The article that you're just referring to, um, he had an artist in his house painting a mural of himself. Like, doesn't that just mm-hmm. tell you anything, any person who, who says to themselves, what, what, what I need is a huge mural of me painted on the wall of my house so that I can look at it. Like mm-hmm. what the fuck? No, I know. I know. And this, this is this, this kind of is a continuation of the theme of the egomaniacal yeah. wide receiver in the NFL. Um, yeah, let's, let's walk, let's talk real quick about, about the me too thing, because I, I know I was joking about ugly penises, but um, it's not okay. Right. Like it's not okay. And I think, I think power has uh, given a lot of men the false sense that they can do whatever the fuck they want and they can, you know, with women to women what have you and there's that's a major issue and i think this may be part of that and part of immaturity but um it's 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 i think that at some point once you're out of the middle school high school locker room bullshit humor um you got to know that this is just wrong that's what should be that should be seems like a lot of the allegations are though uh, i should be clear it, it does seem like some of them are straight up you know, uh, forced sex, sexual assault type stuff. It seems mm-hmm. like some of it is also this weird, what you kind of locker room, sophomoric kind of high school show people your wiener nonsense, it, which mm-hmm. is it, it's it's weird in its own right. Yeah, I don't no, know, man. It, it, this is you'd you'd like to see the the NFL or individual NFL teams have a, a real hard line, a red line for, uh, for for this sort of stuff, be it sexual assault or, or or domestic violence or whatever. And it just doesn't seem we've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast. It doesn't seem like the NFL has uh, much of an appetite for for uh, enacting any policies or even just any unofficial norms that have any teeth um, because it's likely to affect their bottom dollar. Right? I mean. Yeah. I mean, look at Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, I'm trying not, I'm trying to, th- 
Um, I, this is not a race thing. I'll just be clear about that. But look at Tyreek Hill. Like, the dude has been in all kinds of problems when it comes to domestic violence. And again, we've talked about the issues with domestic violence, right? But sexual, uh, child abuse, uh, domestic assault, all that shit. And the chiefs just signed him to a contract extension worth millions of dollars. Like I, I, you are spot on. There isn't really a hard line. And I would say that there's not even really a, a spine when it comes to, to this, uh, for, for the majority of NFL teams. And, I don't know if other leagues are different, but it's certainly the case in the NFL. I mean, the yeah, I don't. I'm not surprised that he's a Patriot. Antonio Brown is a Patriot. Um, I mean, look to look at the the garbage that Dallas Cowboys have taken on, et cetera, et cetera. It's not as if the Broncos are any better when it comes to it. So, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's too bad, but um, it's too bad. And we keep watching this shit. Maybe we should just turn it off. But obviously, that's that's not going to happen. Um. What, what else were you, were you going to say? Anything else on this? I, I, you know, this is maybe a topic for a different day, but I was talking to a student after class yesterday and, and we kind of landed on this idea that doesn't it seem weird that you, you have all this movement with players in the NFL right now who are seemingly forcing their way out of organizations? Like it, it only really yeah. comes up because it's exactly what Antonio Brown did in Oakland. And there's all this reporting that he was like, hiring consultants to give him advice about how he'd get himself released from the Raiders because he wanted to leave that team. Um, this is, it seems like what's happening with the, we have two, the two cornerbacks that are doing it, right? Um, Fitzpatrick, is that who it is in, in Miami? And then the other okay. one, Jalen Ramsey, who just, is it Jalen Ramsey? Uh, if I'm saying his name, names wrong, forgive me. I don't know my the defensive secondaries names all that well. Um, in, in Jacksonville, uh, but these dudes are just like I'm gonna do crazy stuff until I until I force teams to to release me. I mean that's not that's not okay in terms of the competitive balance of the league, right? For the teams that that spent uh, or invested you know high draft picks or um, you know traded draft picks or traded players to acquire these players, if they if they just decide they want to leave and they just sort of act silly until they they force the team's hand, right? If you if you're an Antonio Brown and and you go pick a fight in front of God and everybody in the media with uh, the GM of the Oakland Raiders, they have to release you, right? They can't keep mm-hmm. you after that. So I don't know. It's, it seems like this is, it's another place where I, I kind of wouldn't mind the NFL sort of stepping in and saying, you know, you it's, it's not really up to you to decide. I mean, within reason, it's not up to you to decide where it is you play. You shouldn't be allowed to force a team's hand like that. And if you behave that way, you should get suspended. I think that, this situation says more about our sociocultural moment than it necessarily does about sports because we're seeing the same thing in the NBA with players holding out and, you know, trying to get bigger contracts and, you know, taking way more control uh, in terms of where they go and how much they're paid. But I mean, aren't we kind of in this this moment, this cultural moment where it's like, if I don't like it, I don't have to fucking deal with it. Right. If I don't like it, then I'm just going to throw a big fit and get whatever I want. And I think that it, it probably started as a good thing. Um, you know, owners having way too much control themselves, owners having way too much say over the lives and uh, professional you know, performances of of their athletes, but just their employees. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of that was a problem for sure. And now we've almost swung all the way to the other side of the spectrum where athletes are athletes and and employees are taking full control and they're willing to just kind of throw a big tantrum to get what they want 
and in the same way that maybe our president has, if you think about it, like like that middle ground that you and I, uh, that you and I champion as professors of rhetoric and argumentation doesn't exist in the political sphere. So why would it exist here in this kind of sports slash culture specific sphere? It wouldn't be there. I mean, to me, it's it's a moment. It's a moment, and hopefully things come back and things change. But to me, it's a moment. I think we can point to it as something that's much larger than just sports. Does that make sense to you? No, it does. Yeah. 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 That was really smart. That was really smart of you to write that down. Yeah. But I mean, this relates to the story about about the NCAA and, and players um, and what's going on in California as well. What's interesting there is I don't know who's kind of behind these these moves to kind of pull back some control from the NCAA. It doesn't seem like it's current players. It's more kind of pre, uh, uh, you know, uh, former players and, and their lawyers. But to me, it's still that same kind of thing, right? It's, it's trying to wrestle power from the establishment. And oftentimes that starts altruistically. Um, but then you get hangers on who kind of jump on and, and use that opportunity to, to get places to, to gain, um, power back for themselves in perhaps a non altruistic way. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I think, I think, I think you're right. I don't think it's fair. And I kind of did this before. I don't think it's fair to lump a Le'Veon Bell or Malcolm Gordon in with, uh, Malcolm Gordon, Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon in with, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Antonio Brown or the DBs that I was talking about before, because the other dudes were saying, I have, I have a bargaining chip, which is my choice to play or not. Right. And I can withhold that because I think that you should renegotiate a contract with me. And if you're mm-hmm. willing to not have me play, I'm willing to not get paid mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of force your hand on the issue. That's different than, I mean, the, the, there's the, those two parties have to come together, right? I'm not sure if it's a perfect analogy between ownership in a union, right? Or ownership, ownership in a, in, in a labor group or something like that. But that's kind of, that's kind of what it is, right? It's mm-hmm. effectively a, a strike of one, uh, you know, a worker movement or, or whatever. Um, in these other cases, it's uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be, you know be be a distraction, and I'm gonna behave in in uh, silly ways. I'm gonna I'm gonna cause disruptions until you have no choice but to but to fire me, knowing that the result of firing me is that you lose you know whatever money you have invested or whatever draft picks that you 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 uh, gave up to to acquire me or whatever players you gave up to acquire me, and that I can go to another team, right? Uh, in in the one case, it's sort of mutual. Right, that that Melvin Gordon isn't playing; he's not getting paid. It's bad for the Chargers, though. It turns out that um, Eckler's fine as a backup running back. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but but they're, they're sort of they're sort of but but there there there's a a, a a chicken fight or whatever. It's is that what it's called? Playing they're playing chicken with one another. They're both kind of being mutually advantaged and disadvantaged. Right. Well, I don't have to pay Gordon but we're not getting his talents for Gordon. He's not getting paid, but he's, you know, increasing his leverage, et cetera. In the other case, it's different. It's just, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a grenade and blow everything up and, mm-hmm. and sort of force a team to like, I, you're right. It, I don't know if, if the language of altruism is exactly right, but uh, one seems like a, 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 an effective strategy for dealing with maybe an unfair power imbalance that leans towards ownership over players. The other one seems um, like something that, that can't be tolerated because if, if Antonio Brown can do it, that's all you have to do to get out of a contract is do something crazy enough that the team has no choice, but to get rid of you, then everyone should do that to go wherever they want. Yeah. 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 Ownership goes away at that point. Mm -hmm. 
No, and I agree with what you're saying. I guess my point is, I think, I think if we think about this uh, uh, in terms of kind of uh, framing, Antonio Brown can use those like Melvin Gordon and uh, and others, right? The the CBs who are holding out, he can use those examples to justify to himself, but also publicly what he's doing, even though his intentions don't match theirs. And I think that's like. I, I'm guessing if we pushed him, if we pressed him on it, he would he would come to that. Oh, I'm just doing this because of X, Y, and Z, right? I'm just doing this because um, you know I'm not I'm not being treated the way that I should, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the reason why I say that is look at who he was attacking uh, when he was with the Raiders. It was ownership. It was it was leadership and all of this. And so, in a lot of it's almost as if he's this situation creates a scapes, scapegoat of of the establishment. Sometimes that scapegoat is warranted, as is the case with a uh, a Melvin Gordon. Sometimes that scapegoat is is part of the conversation and an open, willing uh, participant in you know labor discussions. But sometimes that scapegoat is not. Sometimes that scapegoat is just a scapegoat. It's it's a purging of any kind of responsibility, uh, and you know sharing that res- or placing that responsibility and that burden on this other person or entity who who doesn't really have a say in it, yeah. doesn't really want to engage in it. And I think that's what Antonio Brown is doing. I mean, it's it's. Um, it's what shadow, man, a lot of folks have done this, right? A lot of folks have done this and it, this isn't, this isn't new, um, whatsoever. I, I mean, hasn't, it's happened. I mean, in baseball too. I mean, I think, I think Bryce Harper did similar things with the nationals. Um, yeah, never to the point of like, damn, yeah, you're getting in a fight with the GM during yeah, practice. Right. Right. No, no, you're right. If you're just you're sort right. of generally expressing, making sure that it's known that you're unhappy, that's different than starting starting shit. Yeah. I think. No, you're right. You're right. You're 100 right. I'm I'm definitely kind of. And I'm not sure I or anyone else can tell you exactly what Antonio Brown was upset with about the Raiders, except for that I think he wanted to play for the Patriots. I mean, this is a little foil hatty conspiracy theory esque, but a lot of people think that's just where he wanted to be the entire time. Yeah. You know, he blew up the deal with Buffalo at the end of last year. Well, I mean, that's all well and good unless you're the team that that traded a bunch of picks, not not very high picks, but traded a bunch of picks to get him. Maybe part of my frustration is uh as a Raiders fan, I don't know. No, it's just kind of a shit show. It's definitely kind of a shit show and I guess he got a worse contract not... out of it. Mm-hmm. He's making less yeah, money I mean... this year and it's a one year it's a one year deal. Yeah. I know it's, it's getting way more attention than it probably should. Uh, this is just, this is the frustrating thing about sports. Hey, let's talk about an uplifting, uh, story right. before we, before we close things, close up shop for the day. How about the Oakland A's? Did you, uh, did you catch that story that I sent from ESPN.com? Yeah, I did. The, yeah. Like just insane, man. It's, it's, it's a fun, it's just crazy that all of these years later after Moneyball has come out and all, you know, after their initial kind of rise to prominence, uh, in terms of the underdog story telling that they're doing it again, like with nobody, with no nobody. Way. It's just, it's just, it's just wild to me. What a cool story. This year they're kind of built for a little bit of a playoff run too. I think. Yeah. They're uh, I mean, there's some, there's some talent on that team for sure. Yeah. The same fear about the, the about the Yankees as I, I think, I think folks should have the same concern about the Yankees that I had about the Red Sox last year, which is they haven't played a meaningful baseball game since like May. Or June, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you really yeah. just don't know what they got in terms of 
playing in tough baseball games or playing from behind. And I think that opens up, I think that opens up the door for, for a team like Oakland, right. Or a team, a team like Tampa Bay or Cleveland, depending on, depending on who gets in there. Who gets in there. Uh, If you've ever met anyone who's like, man, I hate the A's. They're just like a lovable team. I definitely, you know, had, had, had periods like Mark McGuire pre steroids when growing up when I was like, man, I love that guy. And I love that team. Like I kind of just get it. There's just something about the culture and the atmosphere, the ecosystem of of the Bay Area that's hard to hate, man. Like, I don't even hate the Giants. And even when they had Barry Bonds on there, I don't know. I mean, they're hard. It's hard to hate. It's hard to, there's something about that city that's hard to hate. Although I don't really root for the Warriors, I suppose. Um, That's the craziest thing about it is how good the Warriors have been the the past, you know, however many years. Uh, The the A's, you know, been in and out of the playoffs a bunch of times. It, it seems like they've got everything they need to be a sports city. And we just talked about the Raiders, you know, they're moving to, to Vegas. They just can't, for some reason, can't, can't put it all together. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this will be, oh, yeah, that's a good point. They can't put it all together. The city, I mean, the city. <sighs> and it's the same thing. I mean, we know this from Moneyball. The Oakland just doesn't, you have to look this up someplace, but they just, you know, don't have any money. Yeah, that's they all don't. To it. Can I say that there's something just... bizarre going on in the AL this year that I I don't have a a, a robust enough theory to really explain? Mm-hmm. But I'm listening, I, the competitive balance just seems off in a weird way. You've said this before. I, think, I mean, look at the season. look at the bottom: Detroit 45 and 105, Baltimore 49 mm-hmm. and 102. Like you've got so many just absolutely trash teams at the bottom, and it just it it seems it seems like. You know, there's in just the year- very there's a there's a clear line between the competitors and the not, and there's no like the middle ground. I think is what like the middle ground is so sparse. Like if you look at who's not in contention, the Rangers are the one team that are kind of hovering around 500, and then once you get below the Rangers, everybody is just abysmal. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Like there's one team in the middle of the pack and then it's just, you're really good or you're really shitty. Well, and it's, dr- it's dramatic too. I mean, Detroit yeah. has got a run differential of minus 298. They've scored almost 300 fewer runs than they've given up this That's year. Crazy. Baltimore is negative 261. If you go to the National League, the worst team in the National League, Miami is, is minus 178, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. 120-ish runs better than Detroit is in the AL. I don't know. Once you, once you have teams that bad, everything just to just, just gets a little bit, a little bit wonky. I don't know. I was doing a lot of uh, standings watching these past couple of weeks, hoping that, that my Red Sox could, could figure something out, but even them, I don't really understand. They've scored 837 runs on the year, which would put them at, at the fourth best in terms of run production in the AL. And that is based on a lot of fall off for the last couple of days where they're basically eliminated from, from playoff contention, or maybe they're actually eliminated at this point where it's like, you've got, I, I wonder, I wonder if the placement of these really bad teams versus the concentration of really good teams can make it substantially harder to make it to the playoffs out of, out of one division versus the other. Right. Mm-hmm. Not saying, not talking any shit about the A's here, but I wonder if it's much easier to, um, to make it to make it out of the playoffs in the AL West than it would be in the AL East where you have both New York and Tampa Bay. Right. Obviously we still have Baltimore there too, but I don't know that. I mean, I'm not hundred percent sure that it's that situation or that every division just has 
one or two teams that is terrible, right? Like if you look at every single division, they there's somebody who's terrible. So hold on, like Toronto and Baltimore, Kansas City, Detroit, and the White Sox actually, and then Seattle, and it, the A's are kind of not that great. So my <laughs> point being, I guess the shittiness is spread across divisions. As opposed to, is the same thing really with the, yeah, I mean, what's interesting about the two leagues is that in the National League, outside of Miami, everybody was at one point after May 1st, I would say after June 1st, in contention for a playoff spot, right? So even the Rockies and the Padres, the Pirates, the Reds were sniffing a playoff spot in middle of june early july and if you look at the al standings i mean i think like baltimore detroit kansas city they never came close to to playing in the playoffs they were shitty from day one and maybe that's i don't know that's there's a little bit more parity in the national league i don't know dude but i mean once we get in i i would be shocked if there are any surprises once we get to the championship series right there are two three teams in the national league i could see in there there are two three teams in the american league that i can see in there i just don't see many surprises well yeah right I, I i don't i'd be very surprised if, if the if the yankees and the and the uh, uh dodgers are not in the championship series i think it's, it's what you're saying uh yeah or the or the astros i'd throw the astros in there too. okay like, sure one of the one I mean, of those two teams yeah yeah i mean i see dodgers versus Yankees slash Astros. I don't know. I I think there's also an interesting conversation to be had about the, just the sheer, did you hear this? Was it last week or something that major league baseball? So I just heard this in passing. So if this is incorrect, tell me I'm wrong that, that it was last week or the week before that the, they surpassed the total, the record number of home runs in a season. Yeah. You told me that, but that's, I mean, the the league, the league. Yeah. That benefits pitchers, I think, so much in the playoffs. It's good for pitchers in the playoffs? I, I, yeah, I mean, I think good pitching just shines in the playoffs. Still, still, it does. I guess last year there were a lot of runs scored, weren't there? This this uh, headline says half of Major League Baseball teams will uh, likely set a single-season franchise for home runs in 2019. Jeez, Louise. That's crazy. Bro, Cephas. Woo. Um, all right, I've got to go. Get a haircut. Um, <laughs> you you signed in online well, with sports clips. Yeah, I'm good. I gotta go to Floyd's. I gotta go to Floyd's. My wife always says my Catherine doesn't really understand why I can't just save three dollars and go somewhere else. But it's like it's they just can't do it. Floyd's does a good job. They do a good job, and they don't want to talk, which I appreciate. Ah, There's not a lot of talky good. talk. Just cut my hair. Just cut my hair. <laughs> um, other than that, I don't know. Uh, we had to keep it short today because Brian and I talked for 20 minutes before we started recording. But uh, we will be back with you. But we'll do have to like a we'll have to do a pre postseason conversation. Yeah. Um, as as the next uh, 12 days of games play out. But you have a wonderful day. Have a good Wednesday, Brian Schrader, and too, um, we'll talk later. Okay. Sounds good. Later. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds.